Welcome to the Canon Church Sermon Podcast. I'm Tim Emmett, the lead pastor at Canon, and I hope that this message will help you take your next step with Jesus as he leads us from death to life, from sorrow to joy, from the world as it is to the world as it will be. Thanks for joining us. Several years ago, I saw a far side cartoon featuring Santa who had recently gone on the Atkins diet. Uh, For those of you who aren't familiar with it, the Atkins diet is a meat lover's diet. It's no carb or low carb and all the meat, all different kinds of meat that you can eat. It was obvious that Santa had gone Atkins because he was sitting in an easy chair in his house talking with a friend on the phone saying, it is great. You got to believe me. You can eat all the meat you want, any kind of meat that you want. Meanwhile, right outside the window, right next to Santa, there were two reindeer standing, both of them looking startled. One of them is saying, Dancer! Has anyone seen Dancer? Where is Dancer? (laughs) Every year, tens of millions of Americans make a resolution, set a goal, perhaps even plan to eat more healthy in the new year. They want to eat healthier because they want to feel healthier, be healthier, maybe look healthier. This morning, I would like to suggest that if you want to eat healthier, you eat this book. Like Isaiah in the words we've just, Isaiah, Ezekiel in the words we've just heard, who was handed a scroll, who ate it, who took it in, and it was sweet as honey in his mouth. I want to invite you to eat healthier this year by eating this book, by practicing meditation, by savoring the scriptures. As many of you know, we uh, launched a new series last week called Five Simple Ways to Have a Great Year. We're beginning the year by renewing our practice or perhaps starting to practice five simple habits that will help us begin the year with God. If we keep practicing these habits, they'll not only help us begin the year with God, but go through the year with God. Last week, we talked about adoration, about beginning each day with God. I said that if you want to fill your year with joy, if you want this to be a year of joy, begin each day enjoying God. Don't begin by asking. Instead, begin the day with awe. Praise God for who he is. Thank God for what he's done. Simply sit or stand in the presence of God and love God for God. That is adoration. This morning, we're invited to meditate on Scripture, to uh, eat this book. For pretty much the same reason that people go on Atkins or Weight Watchers or the Mediterranean diet or the Zone diet, we want to eat healthier, we want to be healthier, we want to feel healthier, feel better, feel stronger. And if you think about it for a moment, no one resolves to make themselves less healthy. No one says, you know, in this new year, what I really want to do is lower my energy and increase my cholesterol. I would just love it if this year I get diabetes for the first time. And in pretty much the same way, no one says, in this new year, instead of growing in faith, hope, and love, I really want to grow in worry, stress, and fear. Instead of love, joy, and peace, I want fear, resentment, self-pity, and rage. No one sets out to wreck their soul. 
No one sets out to become less loving, more hateful, less loving, more fearful. But what happens to us, what happens to our souls, what happens to our bodies has everything to do with what we feed our bodies and our souls. Psalm 1 is one of the meditation passages in the Bible. It paints a picture both of flourishing, both of vitality and of meditation as central to flourishing, central to the vitality that we all actually crave. At the beginning of the psalm, it says, happy is the person, happy is the one who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but instead, their delight, their desire, is the Torah of the Lord, the teaching of Yahweh. And on Yahweh's teaching, they meditate they murmur day and night. Most of our English translations say meditate, and I'm using the word meditation this morning, but the Hebrew is more physical than that. It says murmur. Because ancient people did not read silently. They always read and recited out loud. It wasn't simply mental and inward. It was mental and inward, but it was also physical and outward. If they read the Scriptures, recited the Scriptures, they said them out loud. Happy is the one who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but their delight is the Torah of the Lord, and on God's Torah they murmur day and night. They're preoccupied with Scripture. They're taking it in like Isaiah. It's on their lips, literally on their lips, not just in their minds. It's on their lips. It's in their life. And because of that, says the psalmist, they are like a tree replanted by streams of water. And again, in Hebrew, it's replanted. It's transplanted. English, most often, it just says planted, but the image is that of a tree that's been taken from one setting, a less than vibrant, life-giving setting, and replanted by a stream of water, flowing water, a constant source of nourishment. Therefore, they're like a tree replanted by streams of water. Their leaf does not wither. They bear their fruit in season. Their leaf does not wither. In all that they do, they prosper. Every year, tens of millions of Americans resolve, set a goal, and perhaps plan to eat healthier. And I want to suggest to you this morning, no matter who you are, no matter whether you have set a plan, created a plan to eat healthier for your body, I want to invite you to have a plan to eat healthier for your soul, for your life. I want to invite you to eat this book. Practice meditation. Savor Scripture. Don't just get yourself into the Bible. Get the Bible into you. But how? In 1934, the Barman Synod created the Confessing Church. It was a protest church in Nazi Germany. Hitler and the National Socialists had taken over, had repurposed the German National Church. 
they had repurposed it for their politics. And there was a gathering of pastors and lay people uh, in Barman. They created the Confessing Church, a church that would be clear that Jesus alone is Lord and we are here to serve him and his kingdom, not the Fuhrer and his politics. They created the Confessing Church as a protest church in 1934, and then in 1935, they founded a seminary in Finkenwald on the Baltic Sea coast. They asked a young theologian and pastor named Dietrich Bonhoeffer to become the leader of that small, fledgling seminary. And one of the things that Bonhoeffer did when he uh, took over the seminary was he Uh, told the students, told the seminarians, these pastors in training, many of them already serving local churches, that they were required. He wanted them to begin each day, and they really were required to begin each day there at the seminary in meditation. 30 minutes alone with God and their Bible, 30 minutes of meditation. Now what Bonhoeffer found is that these pastors in training, many of them already serving local churches, had, like many of us, no idea how to meditate on Scripture. They knew how to read the Bible. They knew how to create sermons and preach the Bible. They they knew how to read devotions about the Bible, but they never sat down to meditate on the Bible. He was asking them to do something that they had no experience doing. And so some of them would go off and, quite frankly, take a nap. Others would daydream, and still others would work on sermons. They had no idea what to do when he said, meditate on Scripture for 30 minutes. Meditating on Scripture really is different from simply reading Scripture. And it certainly is different from preparing a sermon. And so Bonhoeffer delivered a few sort of instructions, guidelines for meditating on Scripture. And I want to share a few thoughts with, this, with you this morning, really inspired by his, his words so many years ago to his seminarians. Really three simple keys for this simple practice. Three simple keys for meditating on the Word, savoring Scripture, getting us into Scripture, and getting Scripture into us. And those three keys are this. Keep it short, keep it simple, keep it slow. That's it. If you can remember those three things, you can meditate on Scripture. Keep it short. There is a place for reading large sections of Scripture at one time. There is absolutely a place to read through the Bible in a year. In fact, your bulletin has a couple suggestions for that uh, for you for the year. I mean, one of the first steps for some of us to begin meditating Scripture is just to become a more confident reader of the Bible and reading through the Bible in the year with some help, with some guides, can be super helpful. I mean, we can't just stare at the trees. We have to step back and see the forest. We have to see where the different pieces fit in the bigger picture, how the Bible itself is a unified story that leads us to Jesus. Uh, But when it comes to meditation, the invitation is to keep it short. One parable, one paragraph, one short story, Maybe just a couple verses, a couple sentences, or maybe only one. It's been said that the 23rd Psalm, the Shepherd Psalm, is written on many more tombstones than lives. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. 
if we want those words to be written on our lives, a great place to start is with meditation, maybe taking one phrase at a time, one day at a time, and turning it over in our hearts and our minds, picturing that psalm, praying that psalm. There is a place for reading the Bible in large sections, seeing the forest, not just the trees, but when it comes to meditation, getting Scripture into us, savoring Scripture, it helps to keep it short. Recently, uh, you may know that there was some controversy in Jeopardy about a Bible question. The question was, or the answer was, uh, that this Paul wrote this letter to these people. Uh, It's the New Testament letter with the largest number of Old Testament quotations. The Apostle Paul wrote this letter to these people with the largest number of Old Testament questions in it. And on the show, the answer given, which was accepted as correct, as some of you may, may know, I see heads nodding, was Hebrews. Another answer given, which was deemed incorrect, is Romans. Now, you may know that Hebrews was long considered uh, uh, written by Paul, but it's actually anonymous. We don't know who wrote it, and many scholars think it probably wasn't Paul. So actually, Romans probably would be correct. Now, here's the question. Are you bored? Here's the thing. It's one thing to read the Bible for information, just to become acquainted with what's in there, to get some facts, and maybe to have some answers to some questions on Jeopardy. It's another thing altogether to read it for transformation. That's different. It's helpful to read for information. It's helpful to discover what is in there. But it's a whole different ballgame to read for transformation. If we want to meditate on Scripture, if we want to get it into us, if we want to flourish because we've eaten this book, we are eating this book, then not only do we keep it short, but we also keep it simple. We read with one purpose in mind. It's not to gather information, though we will. Instead, our purpose really is just to meet Jesus. to encounter Jesus, to hear Jesus, to take in the word that he speaks to us that day through the words before us on the printed page, and then to go and do what he has said. We're looking to meet Jesus through the scriptures, to hear his voice, believe his word, live his gospel. We will grow in understanding. We will gain knowledge, but understanding and knowledge are means to an end. The end is encounter, and the end is love. Which is why it's helpful when we begin our day with the Scriptures to pray something like, God, as I open my Bible, open my ears. Open my eyes. Open my heart. Open my hands. I want to see Jesus. I want to hear Jesus. Help me hear his voice. Help me believe his word. Help me live his gospel. If we want to eat this book, if we want to practice meditation, if we want to take the scriptures in, 
If we want to be formed and shaped in the image of Jesus, he helps to keep it short, keep it simple, be clear. We want to meet Jesus. And then finally, keep it slow. We cannot hear if we're always on the run. That doesn't necessarily mean that you have to have 30 minutes or 45 or 60. That could mean for some of you with crammed schedules and kids at home that it's five uninterrupted minutes when you stop. I remember one time when I was young arriving at my grandparents' house. And I don't know why, but I bolted out of the car and through the side door and uh, I ran through the kitchen and through the living room and on my way up the stairs I said hi to my grandfather who was seated in his easy chair. Hi, Papap. I turned the corner, started up the stairs and then stopped. I turned and realized that's not Papap. It was my Uncle Bill. And I'd almost missed him entirely because I was in a hurry. I had seen him but not seen him. We can't really speed read our way into hearing the voice of Jesus. If we keep it short, just a verse or two or one paragraph or one parable, if we keep it simple, we want to meet Jesus, hear Jesus. It also helps to keep it slow. Don't rush. And maybe for some of us, that really does mean just five minutes that are not rushed. At least for these five minutes, I'm going to stop. I'm going to breathe slowly. I'm going to read this one verse. I'm going to murmur this one phrase. I'm going to fill my mind and my heart with this one image. And listen. My youth group growing up would go to a Creation Music Festival every summer, at least several summers running. Creation was a Christian Woodstock, so there'd be bands and speakers from all over the country, and we would camp out for a weekend. We'd listen to the bands and to the speakers. And one year, there was, a, and I can't, I've tried to figure out who it was, I don't remember. There was a musician who talked about his own journey into faith in Christ. He was uh, kind of living the, the sort of classical, prototypical rock and roll lifestyle, um, having a great time playing music and also doing a lot of drugs. And at one point he talked about getting pretty desperate for a, for a fix and so desperate, in fact, that he broke into a friend's apartment because he knew this friend kept some pills in the coffee table in his living room. There was a surface to the coffee table, and then there was, a, 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 um, there was another shelf below the, below the surface of the coffee table. So he kind of broke into his friend's apartment, and then he started rooting around underneath the coffee table, that bottom shelf. He didn't find any pills, but he found a book, a small paperback book. He pulled it out. It was a small a sort of black and white paperback book and on the cover, kind of looked like newspaper print, but on the cover in red letters it said, Good News for Modern Man. Some of you may know that was a good news translation or paraphrase of the Bible. He thought to himself, he didn't know what it was, but he thought to himself, well, uh, I'm a modern man and I could use some good news. So he took the book. 
And he opened it and he started reading and he was stunned. He was stunned by the Jesus he met in the gospel according to Matthew, a Jesus who preached good news. And a Jesus who really did seem to be good news. He healed the sick and raised the dead and fed the hungry and forgave sinners and taught uh, extraordinary things like loving your enemies and turning the other cheek, and he actually did it. It was a Jesus he had never really heard about or imagined, and it stood in stark contrast to all of his images and perceptions of the church. It was a Jesus he felt drawn to. It was a Jesus fully alive and living a kind of life and inviting us and inviting him to a kind of life that he wanted to live. And just reading the Gospel of Matthew and taking it in led him to faith in Christ, led him into a relationship with Christ. It really was, in his experience, good news for modern men. We flourish when we experience the Bible as good news, which is the last thing I want to say, keeping it short, keeping it simple, keeping it slow, is only helpful if we experience the Bible as a book of good news, not just good advice. Lots of us really go off the rails when it comes to the Bible because we just do not know. We haven't been told. It hasn't been made clear what the Bible is. We think that it is a book of instructions, and it does include instructions. We think that it's primarily a book about us, who we are, and what we should do. But first and foremost, the Bible is a book about God, who God is, what God is like, what God has done, what God is doing, and what God will do. That is what makes it good news. Everything else, whatever believing we do, whatever obeying we do, whatever worshiping we do, whatever serving we do, is always and only in response to God. Bible is a book of good news for modern, postmodern, post-Christendom right here, right now. Women and men who want to meet and follow Jesus, who want to hear his voice and believe his word and live his gospel, which is good news. If you want to eat healthier this year, if you want to feel healthier, be healthier, get healthier, I want to invite you to eat this book. Don't just read it, meditate on it, take it in. Experience the gospel, experience the good news. Keep it short, keep it simple, keep it slow. Amen. Thanks again for joining us. We hope that this message will help you have a great week by helping you walk in faith, hope, and love. Looking for more information about Canon? 
Check us out on the web at canonchurch.org or follow us on Facebook at Canon UMC and Instagram at Canon Church 2424.